happen. A number of the patients will actually start crying a little bit while they're in the MRI scanner because all of a sudden the hand that was sort of out of their control that shook whenever they tried to use it for anything meaningful is rock steady and they will be a little bit overcome with emotion seeing that. People who live with tremors know that it robs them of life's simple pleasures, like sending a text or going out to eat. But a breakthrough brain surgery offers another solution for patients, and it doesn't involve any incisions to reap the benefits. Welcome to Novant Health Healthy Headlines. I'm Gina DiPietro. Novant Health is one of less than 30 hospital systems in the country who offers this incisionless brain surgery. In this podcast, neurosurgeon Dr. Charles Munyon explains how it works and how it fits into Novant Health's commitment to embrace leading-edge technology that helps patients live their best possible life. Something important to know, the surgery, called MR-guided focused ultrasound, can help Parkinson's patients whose main symptom is tremor, but it also helps those with a more common movement disorder known as essential tremor. Essential tremor doesn't have any of the other features of Parkinson's disease, but can cause disabling tremors of the arm, hand, and even sometimes the head and voice. Thank you for listening. Can you explain how folks who suffer from tremors, just how impactful that can be on their life? Millions of Americans may suffer from some form of mild tremor. And in fact, a little bit of tremor in the hands is normal with aging. The issue is that for patients with essential tremor or tremor-dominant Parkinson's disease can have such severe tremor that many of them are unable, for example, to button buttons on a shirt, to feed themselves without spilling food, even to drink from an open cup. Many patients who have tremor have to use straws to drink. They may be dependent on others to sign documents for them. And many of them have had to abandon hobbies like fishing, woodworking, painting, drawing, I understand that there haven't been a lot of solutions until recently to address some of these tremors that people deal with. What have been the traditional treatments and how effective were they? There is an excellent treatment for both essential tremor and Parkinson's disease known as deep brain stimulation. This involves making two incisions in the scalp, one incision if you're only treating one side of the brain, but two incisions if you're going to treat both sides of the brain, then drilling a small hole in the skull and passing a stimulating electrode through the brain to the target then that stimulating electrode is connected to a wire that runs underneath the scalp and skin down to a pacemaker that sits usually just underneath the collarbone. So the issue is that particularly for patients who have the full spectrum of Parkinson's symptoms, deep brain stimulation can be the best treatment out there. But for essential tremor, where we're really just talking about a disruptive and very frustrating but not overall life-threatening or life-limiting symptom. A lot of those patients are very reluctant to consider an invasive surgery that involves implanted electronics, as well as the programming and maintenance that goes along with it. Now, medications for essential tremor, unfortunately, don't have great effectiveness. A lot of patients will either develop intolerable side effects to the medications or just find that they're not particularly effective. Interestingly enough, 
one of the medications or drugs that seems to best control tremor is ethanol. So the, the alcohol that we drink in, in beer or spirits, but obviously that's not a great solution because that has side effects as well. So the appeal of ultrasound thalamotomy is that it takes the patients who have disabling or disruptive tremors and offers them a non-invasive option that doesn't require programming, that doesn't require periodic doctor visits, and that has a very good safety profile so that even much older patients or patients who have to chronically take blood thinners or who have compromised immune systems are still not at significantly elevated risk when undergoing the procedure. So let's dive into that procedure a bit more. It's my understanding that sound wave energy is used to eliminate brain tissue at the source of the tremor? Probably not precisely at the source of the tremor. And in fact, this gets into one of the areas of active research and interest, which is tremor circuitry. What we do know is that we've identified that area because it's an area where we can interrupt the circuit that is driving the tremor. It's a feedback loop that runs between the cerebellum, the thalamus, and the cortex or outer surface of the brain. And by interrupting that circuit, we can stop the tremoring. How do you know which location in the brain to target with that procedure? So one of the reasons that essential tremor and Parkinson's tremor are the only FDA on label indications for the moment is because we think we have a pretty good understanding of the circuitry driving the tremor in those disorders. So we use a set of relatively standardized coordinates when we do our targeting, and then we adapt them to the patient's individual anatomy using uh, MRI to allow us to locate the area that we want to treat. Now, just picking the location really is not enough. We have to actually also test and make sure that we're getting the effect that we want. And that's where the versatility of the ultrasound system becomes very important. We can actually deliver a level of sonic energy using the ultrasound wave that is not powerful enough to permanently damage the area of brain that we're focused on, but is powerful enough to temporarily stun it. So we deliver what we call a sublethal sonication, meaning enough sound energy to stun the area that we're focused on, but not to cause permanent damage. And then I go back into the MRI room and assess the patient. And if they've had any side effects, from the sonication, then we adjust the target accordingly. But if they've had no side effects and I see good suppression of their tremor, then I can deliver more ultrasound energy and make the stun into a permanent lesion. The goal is to get to a point where the treatment is permanent. What we are learning more and more as we follow patients farther and farther out is that in a good subset of the patients who are treated, it can be permanent. The main concern is that the risks of the procedure are related to damaging too much tissue or damaging the wrong tissue. And so we take a somewhat cautious approach. We try to create an area of damaged tissue that is big enough to be permanent, but not so big that it would encroach on other areas of the brain. The nice thing about that approach is that if we don't quite get it right in terms of not treating enough tissue and the tremor does come back, 
we can bring the patient back and repeat the procedure. It's better to be on the cautious side, understanding that you can always come back and do more. What you can't do is turn around and do less. And so that informs our approach. And that is why some patients do have tremor return. But as more and more experience develops, and we have to remember this is still a young technology. There are still only less than 30 centers in the United States that are uh, currently using this technology to treat patients. So, you know, it's going to take a while to really accumulate large numbers of patients. You just completed this surgery at Novant Health Mint Hill Medical Center. Was that the first one performed at Novant Health? So we've done nine of them. Eight of them have been essential tremor patients. One of them has been a tremor-dominant Parkinson's patient. Of the patients you've worked with so far, is the outcome immediate? The outcome is immediate. And in fact, the tremor typically stops part way through the treatment process, because as I said, I'm testing the effect as I go. It's a really extraordinary process. And in fact, a number of members of our team have expressed the desire to come and, and watch it happen. A number of the patients will actually start crying a little bit while they're in the MRI scanner, because all of a sudden the hand that was sort of out of their control that shook whenever they tried to use it for anything meaningful is rock steady. And they will be a little bit overcome with emotion seeing that. And then we finish up the treatment. We'll usually get them to give us a handwriting sample because a lot of these patients uh, have not been able to write legibly for a while. So we use that as an indicator. One of the other things that I love is when the treatment is done, we give them a cup of ginger ale. For once, they don't need to leave the cup on a table and lean forward and drink out of a straw. They can actually pick up the cup and bring it to their mouths and drink without spilling it all over themselves. That is really impactful. What is it like to literally help patients get at least a semblance of their former lives back? I really identify with a lot of the things that I hear from these folks. You know, patients tell me, for example, that they haven't eaten in a restaurant in three or four years because they're embarrassed by the way that their hand shakes, by the way that they spill food, by the way that they have to drink using two hands at all times. And as, you know, as somebody who is a bit of a foodie, you know, my wife and I really enjoy going out to eat. And so thinking about little things like that, you know, I always ask the patients, what's your first activity going to be? And, and for a lot of them, it's going out and, you know, they'll even tell me a specific meal that they want to order. The first patient that we treated wanted shrimp Alfredo because, you know, he hadn't been able to twirl pasta in, in a while. So it's just an extraordinary privilege to be able to offer this procedure and seeing the overwhelming demand for it. I know you said this technology is relatively new. When you were in medical school, was there ever a discussion of this technology or is this something that's really developed more so in recent years? I think it probably was first on my radar in about 2010, but there were a lot of engineering challenges. I don't think a lot of us expected the progress to be as rapid as it was. There are some really neat overlaps with some other areas of technology that have also revolutionized some of our practices. And again, I was sort of fortunate to be the one to introduce at Novant. For example, there's something called laser interstitial thermal therapy, where we use fiber optic catheter to introduce laser energy into the brain. And we use that to treat epilepsy in ways that, that previously wasn't being done here. But some of the advances in imaging that accompanied that allowed the focus ultrasound therapy to move forward. The field is moving very rapidly, 
but it also does have really strong focus on safety and, and the treatment platform really does have an excellent safety profile. Is there anything else on the horizon kind of in this field that you're excited about? At the moment, the indications for focused ultrasound are really just essential tremor and tremor dominant Parkinson's disease. But there are other applications where we know that lesioning small areas of the brain can have significant effects, including in cancer pain, in certain severe psychological disorders, in epilepsy, potentially eventually even in tumor treatment, there may be a role. In fact, some centers are looking at using focused ultrasound in a way that disrupts something called the blood-brain barrier and makes it easier for chemotherapy agents to get into the brain. At the same time, by learning more about the brain's circuitry and ways that we can influence it, we also get more and more targets for things like closed-loop deep brain stimulation, where instead of just a pulse generator, you can actually implant a computer that will respond to changes in brain activity and make the necessary adjustments to improve quality of life, for example, in patients with Parkinson's disease. Other forms of brain-computer interface that are of strong interest include the kinds of hardware that can allow patients who have suffered severe spinal cord injuries to function much more independently. All of these technologies sort of piggyback on each other, and it makes it an extraordinarily exciting time to be in the field. Sounds like it. Going back to that incisionless brain surgery, Novant Health worked with a medical technology company. Can you explain the partnership with InsightTech and how it came to be? InsightTech is the company that developed the focused ultrasound technology. And the issue has been that the infrastructure and the learning curve required to adopt the technology have been prohibitive for a lot of institutions. So as I said, there are only, you know, somewhere between 20 and 25 centers in the U.S. that are currently offering the treatment. And most of those are major academic centers where there may not be all that much time to actually offer the therapy because of other teaching demands or research demands on the practitioners. So InsightTech was really looking for a center that was vision forward in their approach. As I said, I was recruited to Charlotte to bring on board a number of technologies that really weren't being deployed in the area. Something called stereoelectroencephalography and the laser interstitial thermal therapy, something called responsive nerve stimulation or neurostimulation for epilepsy. Because Charlotte is such an easily accessible city and because it sits in the middle of a major gap in treatment centers, there's one in Virginia, you know, an exceptional program there, the University of Virginia, and then there are a couple of treatment sites in Florida, but nothing in between North Carolina, South Carolina, even the southern part of Georgia. I mean, sorry, the southern part of Virginia, Georgia, northern Florida, there, there was nothing in that region. And so InsightTech reached out to us and said, we would like to partner with you to make this technology accessible outside of an academic medical center in a way that would allow for effective and safe, but also higher clinical volume treatment. And that's how the partnership started. So this has to feel like a huge step forward for people in this general region. 
the goal here really was to take this technology and expand access. Equity in healthcare is a big concern of mine. And when we think about equity, we can't just think about, do you have insurance? Can you pay for the treatment? Because this treatment is covered by Medicare. Equity also involves, can you afford the travel? Can you afford the needed time off from work? And so the nice thing about this is it's an outpatient procedure. By making it closer to a lot of folks, we've made it easier to take care of the travel. And so you know, we're really hoping to expand access in a way that is thoughtful. So we want to be very deliberate about this. We want to make sure that we're doing this the right way, which is why, you know, although we have a partnership with the company, all of the volume uh, decisions, the patient selection criteria, et cetera, are set here by Novant under my guidance. And so we feel very good about what we have started, the trajectory that we're on, the treatment results that we've seen so far have been outstanding. And so now the goal is just to continue that and to ensure a remarkable patient experience for these folks when they come in to seek treatment for their tremors. Gina DiPietro again. A few key points to remember. Dr. Munyon reminds us that disabling or disruptive tremors are not something to be tolerated and managed. There is treatment available that will get you on a path to more independence and a better quality of life. And you'll remember, he said it is covered by Medicare. For more information, visit Novant Health Healthy Headlines. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review it and subscribe to this and all the Novant Health podcasts. We post new episodes all the time. Most are just 15 minutes. Thanks for listening.